Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are still knee-deep in tech, and this is episode 29. And we're back. We are very much back, and I'd like to start out with an apology that we didn't do the, the last episode of, of 2018. Yeah, and that's probably my fault. Of 2018. <sighs> you remember the, the last discussion we had about 2017 or 2018? Yeah, I don't even remember that. Okay, but we have crossed the line we are apparently, now apparently. yes we are now at 2018 yeah and we're back as you said which feels very good and since you decided on a whim to uh, have a kid and um, <laughs> that's a year ago <laughs> yes and take some part paternity leave uh you kind of screwed up the uh, the schedule yep. so everything is your fault everything is my fault yeah yep. Th that's as what you get yep when you get a kid mm. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? I've been up to quite a lot, actually. And it's it's shaping up to be lots of stuff to do forward. Yep. But I could start out with an interesting um, situation that I got into just a couple of days ago. We have a customer who is running something as weird as a um, Firebird. The Firebird is a, a, um, is a database designed by Mozilla guys. Yep. The, the guys behind Firefox. And it's not very common to see that one. And I was asked to get data out of it to put into Power BI. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm happy to do a challenge. So I thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> and that was pretty much the most stupid thing that I could ever done. Now, it's, it's pretty easy considering that it is an ODBC compliant database. Yep. So it should just be as hard as put in an ODBC driver, connect Power BI desktop to the driver, and off you go. Yep. Well, I spent two hours trying to get the darn thing up. <laughs> and in the end, I could only get the 32-bit driver to work. Okay. Which is not necessarily an issue since Power BI desktop exists in a 32-bit version as well yep so everything was working peachy pie yep until we were trying to upload the report and dashboard to powerbi.com how do you do that if you want to access an on-prem data source that's not very hard either that's where the the power bi uh, the the on-prem data gateway comes in yep which is only in 64-bit period ah and a 64-bit gateway cannot, under any circumstances, talk to a 32-bit ODBC driver. Hmm. Period. Full stop. So, how to solve this? Well, I really shouldn't tell you this. <laughs> since <laughs> you this you could tell me, but you shouldn't put it on record. I probably shouldn't. And, and this is the technical equivalent of a whole roll of duct tape. <laughs> We're going to put a SQL Server in front of the darn thing. We're yeah. going to link each and every table into the Firebird, and then we're going to connect Power BI desktop and on-prem data gateway to the SQL Server. Yeah, it is not very nice, but it works. It elegant is the word you're looking not for. Not very elegant at no. all, no. But it works. It does, so... so wh what are the benefits of a Firebird database? Um, in this case, it is built into the customer's production um, yep. system. Mm. So they pretty much can 
get rid of it. Yep. And it's a fairly old system, so it's been around for quite some time. Yep. And, eh. and it was probably cheaper or free than a SQL database at the time. Definitely free, yep. since it's an open source yep. initiative, yeah. But everything comes with a cost. Yeah, of course. And then again, if it's if it's old enough, maybe people had decided that it was a better idea to run that one instead of SQL Server. Yep. I don't know. Probably. But yeah, the, this is the, the, the kind of weird things we find <laughs> in the field. Yeah. And just uh, as the customer and, said. And you solved it. Yeah. Or is this a, a, a like semi-permanent solution as well? So they would like to get data out from their database into Power BI over time as well? It is going to be a pretty much permanent solution, yes. Yep. The idea is to visualize real-time data, which yep. is not Power BI's strong suit. But this is also something that we can do if we link the the tables then we can down run a direct query yep. instead of uh, having a refresh yep so it's a, it's a creative way to use power bi and i have to say for the record it was not my idea <laughs> i was just tasked with getting the thing to work yep and you we, did uh, yeah and i did yep so don't try this at home <laughs> so what have you been done uh yeah I've, I've been working on uh, my upcoming pluralsight course spent quite a lot of time on that i can't tell much more than that at the time but it will be released shortly hopefully and uh, been following the twitter stream as g- good as possible keep up to date mm-hmm. we, we had a discussion prior to recording this episode that it's been christmas but there's been a lot of stuff going on over Christmas and the holidays. It has. It has indeed. And especially with the slight issue with Meltdown and Spectre. Yeah. Definitely three very, very not-so-fun issues. No, not at all. And like the, the interesting part of it, I wonder if it was you and me that had the discussion around the... Um, stock value of Intel after the announcement. Yeah, I think we, we mentioned it. Yeah, that it actually, you, you could expect that it would drop significantly, mm-hmm. but it really, I haven't looked at it since, but after the announcement, it basically laid still because someone realized that this didn't affect the latest chipsets, if I'm correct, or at least not as hard. Hmm... I believe I've read somewhere that the newest, the the latest released CPUs and so on. The coffee lakes? Yeah. Shouldn't be affected by this. And people realized that if if you have a lot of systems that need updates. Yep. It is is vulnerable. It is. Coffee lake is vulnerable to Spectre. Yes. Yep. but then again, you also got the performance decrease, yeah. for, especially for older CPUs. Yep. And that could mean that Intel gets to sell a lot more <laughs> CPUs, uh, which would really even out the downside and upside for Intel. 
Yeah, and it's interesting you should say that about the uh, the, the um, performance dip. I guess you have seen quite a lot of reports when it comes to databases after the mitigations has been implemented. Well, yes and no. I've I've seen a lot of cries. Yeah, I've seen a lot of of uh, this is going to be the end of the world. Uh, no, this won't be a problem at all. Everything is peachy pie. But I have yet to see any hard numbers. And the thing is, Joe Chang did some interesting um, calculations and he he actually decided to to run some um, some tests on this and he found that well to begin with he had set his machine incorrectly so he was running on on um, power save but that's (laughs) another thing no he found that in general he's looking at some five to nine percent slowdown for oltp slightly less for data warehouse stuff but we're looking at a significant effect on network round trips meaning that if you have a very chatty application you might look at a much more harsh results yeah but in in the end we are going to see different results for different workloads yeah which is pretty much what we thought from the beginning yeah and like in in my field of work where we talk about clients and people are upset about patching clients at and that the end user's performance should be decreased Mm. but really that that's not the issue here like if usually today you have a machine that's way higher spec than you would need it to be. Mm-hmm. And even with a 30% decrease in performance, which someone apparently said from the start, most users won't notice, I guess. But if you look at cloud solutions, that's really, and server applications and so on, that's really where you will see a significant, perhaps a significant decreasing performance because they scale at a totally different level than the client machines does they do and and of course uh, a cloud environment is is way more susceptible to actually yep. getting um exploited yep with this so it, yeah it's, it's going to be interesting and, and pretty much it's no discussion just patch the darn thing yep and end of that's it yep patch it there are patches for all the SQL Server versions that are supported. Yep. If you can't patch, you ha- have a lot of stuff you need to shut down, such as R, Python, linked servers, and so on and so forth. So yep. patch, patch, patch. Exactly. And talking about patching, David James, um, the head engineer of Config Manager, mm-hmm. stated just after the vulnerability was released that you should wait in with patching your config manager uh, solutions from a SQL point of view as well. Uh, but since January 8, they released uh, guidance on how you should patch because they had a bug preventing it previously. Yep. But now you're able to do that. So if you look at the System Center Config Manager blog, you will have all the guidance you need for both Config Manager, Hybrid with Intune, and Microsoft Intune. So now you're able to patch Config Manager as well. And yep. you really should. Speaking about Spectre and Config Manager, you also have a configuration baseline available mm-hmm. that you could use to get 
a compliance view on your client machines. So what's affected, what's been mitigated, and so on. So you get a real-time compliance near time. That for, sounds awesome. Yep. And I guess you could visualize that with Power BI, of course. Of course you could. I mean, there's nothing you cannot visualize with Power BI. No, don't, I, don't I'm, finish I'm that thought. To, yeah, I, don't I'm, finish I'm that to. thought. <laughs> and also, if you don't run Config Manager, there are also plenty of PowerShell scripts to both uh, see what endpoints you need to patch and also to patch PowerShell, actually, I've, I've started to do more things with PowerShell. Yep. And this, I mean, I've, I've been doing PowerShell for some time. I love the different PowerShell stuff that's out there. Rob Sewell is a great guy. Yep. Uh, whenever um, PowerShell, Rob Sewell and, and uh, his people. I just found the PowerShell stuff for Spectre Meltdown. That was yep. super easy. Yep, so Microsoft have released a PowerShell module on the PS Gallery. So you basically run install module uh, speculation control. Mm. And you'll get everything you need from a PowerShell perspective. Yep. So you're able to do a lot remotely to verify what you need to patch if you're updated and so on. And this again emphasizes the need to be up to date. And not hold back on patches and new feature updates and so on. Yep. Because this was mitigated by Microsoft just a few days after the after the threat was public and they released patches out of band for that and everything. So stay yeah, up to th- date. Th- this one was actually taken serious as soon as Intel started yep. st- stopped slinging crap at AMD. Yep. Exactly. And uh, yep. And to verif- just to be absolutely clear, we're talking a lot about Intel, but all platforms are affected. Meltdown is only Intel, and Spectre is both Intel, AMD, and ARM. Yes. I haven't seen anything about the risk uh, environments, though. Such as no. um, the the um, IBM yep. and, and um, Oracle CPUs. Yep. I haven't read anything about it. It might be uh, as simple as that. They are not vulnerable. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yep. I haven't. I haven't read anything about it. Nope. All right. Um, speaking of of hardware and and infrastructure, I came across a blog post. I think it was a week and a half ago, something like that. And it was just no. It's actually two weeks ago. It is just so amazing in its simplicity how do you simulate a bad network when you're trying to performance tune or work out a replication issue with SQL Server or any client issue with SQL Server at all I believe I know the answer but I can't remember the tool for it at the moment because I've seen that kind of application for config manager previously really? yeah because we, we often need to take bad bandwidth into consideration when mm-hmm. moving content. Yep. So I've been to several sessions where they have probably the same tool. I need to look it up the look up the other one otherwise, where you can really simulate everything you need from a bandwidth perspective. Mm. Bad latency, low throughput, whatever you like. 
This so, this is where uh, this is pretty obvious for you guys since this is your bread and butter. Yeah. It is not, or it wasn't obvious for me until I read this. Yeah. The One M Wide Area Network Emulator, yeah. which can be put into a Hyper-V environment, and then you have the worst network experience you could ever design. <laughs> so, in essence, you just set this up, and you have one VM with the server, one VM with the client, or in this case, the replication, the other replication yeah. server, and you put the data through this one M. Yep. And then you can do anything you want with it. Yep. All the bad thing you could ever think of. So it is brilliant. Yeah, I think that's actually another tool, but there are several tools that could do that. Yep. So this is a a, um, blog post by John Paul Cook at Redgate on uh, the 2nd of January. Yeah, I'll look at that up later on. Yeah, I actually saw another blog post on a totally different subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember his name. I'll need to look it up. One of the Office server MVPs mm-hmm. uh, had made... Um, when they changed the MVP program so that you can get an MVP title once a month, they are adding new MVPs once a month. Yep. He He made a comparison between how it was prior to that and now to see if it had changed the number of MVPs okay, in some way. Yep. What do you think? What what were the results? My, my um, immediate uh, thought would be that the number of MVPs, maybe if not skyrocketed, but increased sharply. It's actually not that. The number of MVPs have been, is lower now than it were previously. Really? They've dropped like 150 MVPs since... And how many MVPs are there? Three thousand eight hundred or something like that. And it was it was close to four thousand at the start. Oh, and he had he made a great comparison on the different areas as well. Mm-hmm. And the one that's really skyrocketed is the AI ones, because no they, surprise there. No, they had one prior, and now they're twenty one. Yeah, but it's it's like the data science stuff. Yeah, uh, I think Leila Itati was the first. Yeah. And she's not alone anymore. Yep. So, yeah. So it's, it's quite interesting to see that it actually... They, they, they've lowered the total amount of MVPs. Interesting. I had not thought that. Yeah. And you, I will see if I can find the blog post again. And you can really compare the different areas and see what's been increased, what's been lowered, and so yep, on. Yep, yep, Cool. So, yeah, it was an interesting blog post for sure. Yeah. Speaking of blog posts. Not another inside build. Uh, actually, two. <laughs> two inside since, builds, Since our last episode. All right. Uh, we have a, the latest one, 17.074, uh, which was released on January 11th. And the really big feature that they included in that one is the ability to download language packs from the Microsoft Store. Mm-hmm. And that may not seem as a big deal, but from an OSD perspective, that's huge. And from an in-place upgrade perspective, that's huge. Because you're not able to do a real in-place upgrade if you have a language pack installed. So how do you do it? Do you have to you, un- you, you uninstall get, it? Yeah, basically. You get the language packs you have, uninstall them, upgrade the OS, and install them again. And this is not automatically done for no. you? 
Ouch. Yeah, that's just stupid. Um, and they have there are limitations on how you can do an in-place upgrade. We won't go in into detail, but you can only upgrade, do an in-place upgrade with the same media as your base language. So for a Swedish machine, for example, uh-huh. you can't use an English media to upgrade a Swedish image. You need to use and you need to match. So if you, you usually start off with an English media, add a Swedish language pack, and then you have to do it with an English media again. So this will improve that experience a lot, I hope. So maybe we can down the line come to a situation where you only have one base pack. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So that would be super and that would also improve the cloud-only abilities quite a lot because then you can really do an autopilot deployment and install the language pack a lot easier than you had could previously. Yes. Nice. Yep, so that's great. But the real big build that was released in December 17063, which was probably the biggest insider release yet. 17063? Yep. Wow, that's quite a few builds. Six, yeah. Six, 63 builds. Yeah. What? Huh? Didn't you just say 17063? Yeah. As in 63 released builds no 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 it it's it's really not that easy no uh because that was the previous one and the one they released in january were 17074 so the build number is the amount right. of internal releases so All they right. haven't released that many inside releases All right. i'll be quiet now <laughs> uh 17063 in had so many great features mm-hmm. the most notable one is timeline that you are able to move between devices, you will be able to move between all your devices, not only Windows, and get back to your open web pages, your open applications, your open documents. So if you open your task manager, you'll see what you've done like the couple of last weeks and be able to move back in time and start documents, applications, web pages, whatever you like, on any machine and have it synced between them. And this will be released in the Spring Creators Update or whatever it's going to be called? If they call it the Spring Creators Update, we have a huge issue. No, they they must... You're going to go to Mac then? Kind (laughs) of. That would be probably the most stupidest thing they've done since the Fall Creators Update, which was a... It was better than changing the current branch for business names to CMN and channel crap. But you're not bitter, are you? No, okay. I'm, I'm binder. Ah, so close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also got sets, which they released to a number of insiders. Not everyone received it. They actually made like a... A staggered yeah. release? Yeah. Okay. And sets is really an ability to use tabs in your modern apps. So you can combine a number of apps into one window and tab between them inside one window. Wow. Yep, that's quite interesting. And hopefully they'll extend that to legacy applications as well. They made a significant change in how you scale apps and the entire OS when you change resolution. So I'm working with a customer now that's uh, changing 
their um, desks quite often. So they dock and re-undock their device several times a day. Mm -hmm. And you have an issue there where when you go from the relatively low resolution of the laptop to the high resolution of the screen, Mm -hmm. where it gets blurry in some applications due to a scaling issue. Right. That's fixed in that uh, inside the preview. So it creates a lot better experience when it comes to scaling. So you don't need to log out, log off and log in again. Oh, nice, to nice. It. They are bringing app, uh, Windows Defender Application Guard to Windows Pro. So an Application Guard is really a, a way to containerize certain tabs of Edge which it has been available in Windows Enterprise since the Fall Creators update, but they will be bringing it to Pro in the next major release of Windows. All right. So that's actually great that they are delivering that kind of feature to Pro. Yep. And they are also bringing new capabilities to delivery optimization, which is a way to control how Windows patches and releases are installed and how they use bandwidth and so on. Which is nice. So they're giving us new settings where you can configure work hours. So you are able to do a basic quality of service from Windows on how you how much bandwidth your your PC are allowed to use to download patches. Oh, interesting. Depending on the hour of the day. Lots of stuff. Yep. And talking about new stuff, work folders just got on-demand file access, which is basically the exact same thing as you have in Wonder for Business today, where you could have placeholders like we used to in the good old days with Windows 8. The uh, good old days and Windows 8, in the same sentence. Yes. You I are love a that strange always. one. I know. But now we have on-demand file access to that as well. Right. So that that's... I, I wasn't expecting that, but it's a great improvement, and I guess that actually will help a lot of customers that don't want or can't move to Wonder for Business. It's a, it's a nice solution. It's fun to see that they actually are continue to improve that feature. Yeah. So lots of new stuff. And this this been released like the last month. So things are happening fast. Amazing. Yeah. And I won't talk about the new engine features. We'll save that for next time. <laughs> we should. So what's what's in the pipeline for going forward? Uh, I mean, I I can go through. I'm going to do a lot of stuff. Yep. Let's see you here. You personally, then? Yes. Yeah. I, I me personally, I am. For instance, I'm going to Norway. I am going to Sweden. I'm actually already <laughs> in Sweden. I'm going to Iceland, Finland, Belgium, and Austria. Good that's, for you. That's just the things that have been accepted so far. Yep. And I have a ton of um, call for content out there. Yep. In another, in t- to another countries, to other countries, and we're gonna see where where we end up. So 2018 seems to be the the year where, at least for me, the cork has left the bottle when it comes to speaking yep. engagements. Yep. So it's it's gonna be interesting. Yep. And I'll. I can't remember where I'm going. Uh, starting off in Oslo as well on the Nordic Infrastructure Conference. Yes, we're going to be there, both of us. Yep. 
Um, Maybe we should do a an episode there. Of course we. We should. We, we're yep. going to do an episode at Nick. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm going to Scotland. Not on vacation. Really? Yep. Speaking at two UC groups there. The oh, nice. Glasgow Asher UC group and the Tech UC group meetup, which is basically a small conference where you gather several different UC groups. So I'm presenting there. We have I have another hopefully upcoming engagement in Scotland as well that I can't go into more deeply now. And a couple of other things upcoming as well. And a few call for contents out there. As yeah. Yep. So it will be definitely an interesting spring. It's going to be an interesting spring, especially since we are changing. We're not changing um, employers. No. But we are changing how, what we do for work, so yep. to speak. We're switching groups and we're, we're um, switching priorities yep. on February 1st. Yep. Which is probably going to be beneficial to um, our speaking work and and volunteering and uh, community work yep exactly interesting times ahead very much interesting times ahead very very much stuff to look forward to yep all right so that pretty much wraps up the first episode of the year i need to add the last thing of the course most important does. point of all oh dear the fall creators update are now fully fully available since January, it will be fully available on January 18th. So, okay, as in everyone and everything can... Yes, I, I need to look into if they actually made it January 18th or if they already that, released That it. pretty much means that my wife's going to no, have they, it. they are now rolling it out since January 11th. Okay. So everyone should now be able to get Fall Creators update. That's very nice to hear. And they... There were an interesting discussion on Twitter where someone asked Michael Niehaus, when is this ready to roll out in our organization? When is it called semi-annual channel broad release? Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important to state what Michael answered to that because he said, Microsoft can't tell you when to roll out a Windows version. We can tell you basically when we believe it's done, Mm -hmm. but you should already have been testing the full creators update in your organizations now yes and probably already have started your rollout so and that's what i'm focusing on this year of course windows as a service so pretty much windows windows 10 windows as a service can be summarized as stay on the ball yeah did we just yes (laughs) So the the name but, for this episode is Stay on the Ball. And this is the first time you have got the show. You have stated the name of the episode, I, I believe. that was the case, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Took well, 29 episodes. It did. Yep. On that bombshell, so to speak, it is time to end the show. And thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back hopefully next week or the week after that. Yep. See you then. Bye. Bye.